Napa know-how. Right now, a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil and a platinum filter is just $23.98. That's a great deal for a great oil, which is another reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's Napa full synthetic oil and a platinum filter for $23.98. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. While supplies last. Offer ends 12 15 The Geeky Retro Nerd Show is part of the art, comedy, and pop culture network of podcasts. is a story all about how my podcast got flipped turned upside down and i'd like to take a minute just sit right there i'll tell you how i interviewed hillary from the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> you, <laughs> you do not want to know how many times i had to re-record that because <laughs> i kept making kept ballsing it up i kept making mistakes welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. My name is not Will Smith, it is Adam. And as you can probably tell, I am not a rapper. I am, however, a geeky retro nerd. Thanks for tuning in. And whatever app you're listening on, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, please give me a little follow. And if you're feeling generous, give me a rating and uh, a review because it really helps get the show seen and I'll be ever so grateful if you did that and thank you so much if you do do that. The show as always is sponsored by truffleshuffle.com. Head on over to the website, loads of geeky t-shirts and retro gifts and of course use my exclusive discount code of GRNS15. That is GRNS15 and you lucky people will receive a 15% discount when you spend £25 or more. And for you international people there's international shipping so nobody misses out. A new thing I'm doing, well, I've been doing it for a, a few weeks, actually, for a couple of episodes now, but a new-ish thing I'm doing is you can donate to the show. You can donate your hard-earned money to the show. And by donating to the show, uh, you are investing in the future. You are you are investing in growing the show and growing the audience and making it even better. I know it's a it's a it's a hard ask and <laughs> making it even better than what it already is. And the way it works is if you have a look in the episode notes on whatever app you're listening on, there is a link to a website called LiberaPay. And if you use that link, you can donate to the show however much you want. You can donate um, anything, and in return. As long as your donations are active, I will credit you on this show as an executive producer. Now, how's that? Don't say I'm not good to you. You will be credited as an executive producer. I will give you a shout out on the show here and now, and I will list your name on the episode notes, which are visible on every podcast app. So you'll have your name up in lights. So the executive producers for this episode are Glenn Davies, Dee Flynn, Joy Gradwell from Mind Active and Mark Straker. That's Glenn Davies, Dee Flynn, Joy Gradwell and Mark Straker. They have all donated to the show and your donations are very, very appreciated. Everything goes back into the show. Now then, to the main event. Um, A little while ago, I spoke to a very, very familiar person to you and me, Karen Parsons. Now, Karen is uh, probably most famous for being Hillary in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but she's done a whole lot more. And we talk about it in this lovely conversation here. I hope you enjoy it. Have a little listen. Okay, so on this week's show, I've got another incredible treat for you because I have a guest who will be instantly recognisable to you. Uh, a, a huge 
figure from pop culture who featured predominantly in my childhood in me television watching habits and I'm incredibly happy and lucky to be seeing Karen Parsons. Welcome to the Geeky Retro Nerd Show. How are you? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> Good. Karen, I'm, I'm so pleased that you uh, agreed to speak to me because like I said before, you know, uh, my podcast is about uh, pop culture. It's about the things I loved growing up in the 80s and the early 90s. Uh, and one of those things was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, absolutely huge TV show, of course, which you are a part of. Um, so so thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. Um, Karen, before I start talking about your, your acting career, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to explore a little bit um, if that's okay, because uh, I was reading about that you grew up in um, LA yes. and you went you went to Santa Monica High School, um, and and I thought it'd be interesting to ask you about that because my wife and I have been to Santa Monica just briefly, okay. Okay. just briefly. I mean, I'm in, I live in Scotland. I'm in Scotland here, and we we went to um, America a few years ago. Well, we've been to America a lot, but. On this particular trip a few years ago, um, we went to L.A. and we went to Santa Monica, and and I thought it was a really nice place. So I I was interested to know what was it like growing up in Santa Monica and and going to school there? Um, It was – I loved it. I mean, I I grew up not that far from the beach and kind of a very beach culture. Uh, Santa Monica is a very beachy culture, particularly where Mm -hmm. I was. Um, place and especially when I grew up there in the late I guess the 70s and 80s for me so it was very like you know it was hippie-ish and it was uh, for (laughs) some point when I was really little it was hippie-ish and very casual beach culture it wasn't like you know stuffy it's now the property there is now very hard to touch it's very expensive but at the time it was much funkier and everyone was running around barefoot and you know ready to hit the beach at any minute if they wanted just um it was a really very all-inclusive loving um environment I mean for me my you know I also grew up biracial with a black mother and a white father Mm -hmm. um, and even though I wasn't among a lot of other mixed kids biracial kids I still didn't feel feel so odd because I think it was such a well such a community of individuals and you were celebrated for being an individual so uh, it was a really kind of I don't know. I, I loved it. It was a happy, it was kind of a happy, good place for a kid to grow up. Yeah. We, we, when me and my wife were there, we were only there for one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we were in LA for, I think, three days, uh, and a full day was taken up with Universal. Um, and and yeah. one day we went into Santa Monica and we did the pier, and it, it just. It just struck me how uh, relaxed it was and how cool it was, and everybody was really friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, uh, and like I say, when I was reading that you grew up there and you went to school there, I, I was wondering if it, if it, um, if it did do what it said on the tin, um, yeah. and 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 was as cool and relaxed and funky. It definitely was growing up there. It was very very. You know, like, I mean, it was also a different time. So kids were out in the, you know, out and playing and you just went yeah. out and hung out with your neighbors. And and it was um, it was easy on the parents that way. But it was also, I think, really great for kids to explore and feel that kind of freedom. And you, and you probably couldn't have been anywhere better, really, to, <laughs> um, you know, to, to, to progress or in, in your career. No. Karen, also- what? what yeah. Was was it was it when you were at school? Is that when you decided you wanted to um, act, or did that come later on? No, the decision to act actually was the decision of a little girl, of a six-year-old girl. Wow. Was hell bent on being an actress, and then a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, on and on. Every year, it didn't change, didn't waver. Everyone would check in with me. You know, the adults, you know, so you still want to be an actress, you know, laughing at it. <laughs> um, and I was very serious. And then, of course, as I got older, it turned from you still want to be an actress, ha ha, to all right, well, you need something to fall back on. And to which my response was always, no, I don't. 
no, I don't. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna act. So no, I don't. You know, it's very stubborn about that. I'm not a stubborn person, but about that, it wasn't even that I was, you know, I wasn't being stubborn. I just was. You were driven. I was. I just knew I was going to be an actress. Yeah, I just had. I had no doubt in my mind. Yeah, it doesn't sound stubborn. It just sounds like you were really driven. Yeah. Um, and you were really focused on on what you wanted to achieve. I was. I was completely focused. It was what I wanted. I wanted it with every part of me. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to do what I needed to do. When I discovered acting workshops, I was very dedicated to the work, to showing up, to doing the reading, to doing the assignments, to you know, to to giving a hundred percent to my improvisations, a hundred percent to any exercises that were introduced. You know, I was very serious about it. And eventually, um, a, a, an agent was in my workshop one evening, saw me do a scene that happened to go well that night and um, and expressed interest in representing me. And that's that changed everything. Fantastic. And, and like I say, really driven, really focused. Um, and, and you were probably in one of the best places to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I was in a workshop and an agent was in the class. You know what I mean? It's like how, you know, you start going out on auditions and it's, yeah, it, yeah being in Southern California... That's where you want to be, I guess, for yeah. unless you unless, of course, you're someplace where I have to say there is so much value to being somewhere where you can get involved in good theater productions. Yeah. Um, with very excited with good, good material and excited actors and directors, because that builds your craft and you do have something really a very strong foundation. I can't say I went in with a stronger foundation as many people I've met, you know, and I. Right envied them for that you know and, and at that time Karen um something that just occurred to me uh, were you focused on just acting or were you like I want to be in television I want to be in movies or I want to be in theater or I want to be in, in a mix or anything I think I was just thinking I wanted to act but if you had asked me for a specific at the time which I wasn't asked a lot at the time you know what do you right. want specifically but if you had I probably would have said film that was definitely where my my enthusiasm was um I remember someone that I knew being I remember someone I knew really there was an actor who really wanted a TV show because he said if you have a TV show, you have a lot more power for film right. work. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, because I didn't know anything about politics or leveraging things. You know, I wasn't anywhere near that part of it yet. So yeah. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I also met another act, an actress who was saying TV is you don't want to be in TV because if you get in television, you'll be typecast. Yeah part but also as a certain type of actor and they won't want to hire you for film and i thought well that's interesting so i was hearing mm. all these different things yeah i was you know i was doing my mcdonald's commercials i was just doing whatever at that point just to pay the bills get out there learn more and i wasn't picking and choosing yet you know i did my i did my uh horrible for hor horror film horrible horror film uh which i think everyone has one in their back pocket <laughs> and I, you know, I did, I did all kinds of stuff, uh, little episodics of, you know, detective act, action shows and yeah. everything until, um, you know, I, I just did a bunch of stuff. I did, then I did some stuff that was good, even before Fresh Prince that nobody ever saw. And, um, and then I lucked out and got that little, that little sitcom, Fresh Prince. Yeah. yeah so, so, you know, you say there that you were, uh, so did you do like a lot of auditions um, early days? And I'll tell you why I asked, because when you were talking there, you reminded us of Melody Anderson was on my show a little while ago. Um, you know, she was in uh, Flash Gordon and, and several other things. And what she said to me was when when she first started, she she would um, turn up to the opening of an envelope, you know, in the early days. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just you know, like you say, you could you couldn't really pick or choose. It was right. I'm going to audition for this. I'm going to audition for that. Is that what it was like for you? Just you know, put putting yourself out there as, in as many situations as you can. Absolutely. In the beginning, it was just you know, we have a you know, 
what, Minute Maid orange soda, you know, audition for you. Great, I'm there. You know, we have a, you know, McDonald's. I'm there. We have this this part. You don't speak, but you're in this scene. Yeah. Um, and this is what happens to your character, but you don't talk. Okay, I'm there. You know, it's just anything. <laughs> it's like a, you know, it's a horror film, and you only have two, you know, scenes, and then you scream and you die. We don't see the death. Okay. <laughs> You know, I want to do it. I want to try, you know, and everything was, you know, I was trying to just give everything I could. In the meantime, I was in acting classes. I was still, you know, working things out and, and trying to get better. Yeah. And, and, and when you started, you know, um, uh, advancing in your career, uh, you said before it was a bit of a running joke in your family. Do you still want to be an actress? Do you still want, what, what was their reaction well, they were very, my mother was incredibly supportive of me always. Like through all of my, through all of this, you need to have something to fall back on. She still was, when I said, mom, I found an acting workshop. I really want to do this. It looks really good. And this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. She would pay for it and she would drive me there and back often. And, you know, it's the kind of thing as a kid that you can take for granted. And, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't until I was an adult especially when I've had kids myself that I look yeah. back on it and go, Whoa, wait a minute. She was just forking over money. Cause we didn't have a lot of money right. <laughs> and, and we really didn't. And so for her to just be paying money for these workshops and then, um, making, you know, cutting out, putting her, putting her whole schedule around mine and cutting out time to drop me off and pick me up hours later when it was time, you know, week after week, I look at it now and I think, wow, that was really incredible of her. She was so supportive. And this is the same woman who, when I got Fresh Prince, was at every taping. Um, she must, she? she maybe in six years missed literally a handful at most uh, taping. She was there every Friday night in the audience. What an incredible mother. And she must have been um, uh, so proud, oh, mega so proud. proud. She was incredibly proud. It was great. Brilliant. So, so how did you end up getting Hillary in Fresh Prince? And Karen and I talk about the Fresh Prince of Bel Air right after this. Napa know how. Right now, a five quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil and a platinum filter is just twenty three ninety eight. That's a great deal for a great oil, which is another reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's Napa full synthetic oil and a platinum filter for twenty three ninety eight. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. While supplies last. Offer ends 12 15 19. For a gift that goes beyond the holidays, don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Ask how to get $150 back on a package with the ultimate Wi-Fi and Xfinity X1. Your all-in-one entertainment experience. Simple, easy, awesome. Click, call, or visit us today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. I auditioned a lot. <laughs> a lot. A lot. I auditioned and auditioned. I auditioned for, because I hadn't, you know, done, like I said, I had done such mostly bit stuff. And I had done a couple things, like I did a pilot for another TV show that didn't get picked up, but mm -hmm. get picked up. Nobody knew me from that. Um, but I'd done lots of, I'd done a bunch of commercials at that point, little episodics, the horror film. And so I had to audition for the casting director's assistant. And then I got a call back. And I got to audition for the casting director. And then I, because usually you start with the casting director, but I had right. to audition for the assistant first. Right. <laughs> and then I auditioned for the casting director. And then I think I auditioned for um, some writers. And then I auditioned for some producers. And then I auditioned for Quincy Jones, which was really exciting. I bet. I was going to say that must have been uh, quite an experience. Yeah, I was really excited. I found it, I found my little um, day planner recently that had that on there and said, you know, audition for Quincy, Quincy Jones, you know, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> I was so excited. And he was a great audience. He laughs hard and throws his head back, slams a table, like very, you know, uh, demonstrative and, you know, it makes you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I had to audition for the studio, the network, uh, and it was just, it was a bit, a real process. By the time I auditioned for the network, everyone was in the room, and including, I think, Debbie Allen, the director, 
every, everybody was just piled into the room together and, and probably a few people, other people besides the network and the people I had met. I mean, just everyone was there and it was very intimidating. And, um, it was just myself and one other girl who they had narrowed it down to. And so we were out in the lobby having to look at each other and wish each other luck. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and then it, it, it went well. <laughs> so how, so, well, it must have went very well. Yeah. Uh, so how long was that process start to finish? I'm not sure. It must have been, it was over probably a couple months. Wow. I would imagine. Maybe it was, maybe it was shorter. I'm not sure, but it, uh, it felt like quite a process. I mean, I was going up for other things as well at the time. So I would yes. go from that audition and I was going at one point, I was going neck and neck with the Fresh Prince and with a film that was a dramatic role where my character was a drug addict. Right. So couldn't it be more different? Completely different. <laughs> I would be running from one to like have to go get across town to the other one and transform. And it's, it was very funny because I went down to the wire on that too, but I got the TV show, which is fine. <laughs> Brilliant. And and at that time, had had any of the other cast already been selected? Did uh, you know who else was going to be in it? The only person I knew was Will. That right. was it, because it was. I knew that it was um a it was a sitcom with a rapper, the guy from Parents Just Don't Understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was like that thing. Oh, the Fresh Prince. Um, and I didn't know. I didn't know the rest of us hadn't been cast yet. We were all being cast at the same time. Right. And and what was your sort of feelings at the time? You know, you say you only knew Will uh, Will Smith was in it, uh, but obviously at that time. He, he he was I wouldn't say unknown. He'd had a big hit with um, that record. Yeah. Uh, but what was your opinion of of the show? You know, it, it's it's going to be sort of centered around this guy. He's a rapper. Um, did did you did you know that the show was going to be a hit? Oh no no! It sounded really like. It sounded like some silly, trendy idea someone had. You know, because <laughs> there wasn't there was no precedent at that point for no. it. No. Else no. had done anything like that, so so it sounded silly. It was like, whose idea was this? You know, a show a sitcom around a rapper. Okay, <laughs> you know, it just seemed like it just seemed kind of out there. Um, but uh, of course, I had I didn't know Will. You know, I I didn't know. I knew he was. I mean, I knew he was charming. I loved the parents. Just don't understand video, and I'd seen other videos of his. Uh-huh. But I I still I didn't. It still seemed like a, a such a new concept. He was not an actor. You no. know, there were very few at the time, there weren't a lot of people doing TV shows and films that weren't actors. Now you see singers doing it all the time and and you see rappers doing it and personalities and all kinds of stuff. But at the time, usually uh, actors acted. And yeah. so that that was a, a novel concept unto itself. You know, it was like, hmm, this guy who's a a rap star. That's interesting. But um, but he was incredibly charming and you know, incredibly charismatic. And um, and he also one thing. I mean, Will is incredibly smart and and adapts fast. And he's a sponge. If he wants to learn something or get better at something, he's going to. And he wanted to get better at acting. And we all saw what where he what he's done. <laughs> you know, he went from yeah. from mouthing our lines and not knowing what he was doing, you know, to being an you know an, a celebrated actor, award winning actor, and um, deservedly so. He must have been a quick learner. He is a quick learner, but that's because he, you know, he's a he studies harder than anybody else, and he more he's more focused and driven than anyone else in the room. But he had a he had a tremendous uh, a tremendously talented cast around him, obviously yourself included. So what so what was what what was it about the character of of Hillary that um, attracted you to the role? What what, what did you well, think I, about Hillary? As I told you, I wasn't incredibly selective, so it was. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> there was but. Um, I did. I mean, they had written her very thin at the time. There was it was kind of not a lot there. She was um, at that time. They wrote her up later, but she she was um, a model type. They said, 
And it seemed like she kind of floated through and, you know, she didn't say much and just kind of floated through the house and appeared and disappeared and didn't have a lot of weight anywhere. Uh, she didn't seem to really land. And um, I thought, well, I'm not a, a model type, so I don't know what to make of it. And I somewhere along the line in practicing for it, just started doing this deep Southern California, you know, as people say, Valley girl. Yeah. Val speak this kind of you know, yeah. <laughs> casual, you know, beachy valley kind of girl, you know. Thing. It, was, it um, was quite ditzy, wasn't she? Yeah, she's well, she was ditzy. She as much as she was like in her own orbit. Yeah, you know, in her own world, she was very, very um, self-centered, incredibly self-centered, and selfish, yeah. spoiled, <laughs> and none of which was her fault. <laughs> no, no. It was daddy's fault. <laughs> she was a daddy's girl. Yeah, I mean, he had given her. She was the first child. She'd been given everything that she asked for. It was a girl. The first child was a girl. You know, he just, they just, you know, pampered her, let her get away with things, and then boom, you know, I'm living a little of that myself now with my daughter. No, I shouldn't. <laughs> say that. Um, but um, but you know, it's it. She was just really self-centered, and so it was fun to play it and they start the writers were writing her that way the more i played her this this you know with this kind of affectation and this attitude mm -hmm. that made it even clearer so the writers picked up on it and ran with it and they were you know they're such a talented bunch of people they um they just made this very funny character what was the what was the relationships like uh, between the cast on set because it, it looked like everybody really got on everybody had fun with each other you know they had at the end of each episode there was normally like a goof or a you know a blooper or something and everybody would be rolling around laughing and it was fun we were having that kind of fun it was it was really like that from the beginning from the very first week we worked together we hit it off really strongly um kind of fell in love with each other it was wonderful like we wanted to hang out with each other we wanted to go to lunch together we wanted to you know we all had our dressing rooms wide open and we're in and out of everyone's room just all you know we weren't getting sick of each other and trying to get away from each other from yeah. spending so much time it was quite the opposite and it was really something special good yeah and, and definitely got that impression from watching it and like i say the little sort of bloopers at the end when everybody was creased up laughing and yeah and, and things like that. it looked like a really great show to make and be involved with um and and, and it's still on now it's still on the telly now uh, all, all this time later you know my, my kids watch it now um right. and, and a little while ago when, when my wife was my wife's pregnant again now but when she was pregnant with my son who's uh, now two um, when she was at the end of the pregnancy and couldn't be bothered going anywhere, we just used to sit in and watch Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> on the telly. Wow. <laughs> we, used, wow. we used to record it through the day and then watch it uh, after work later on. Uh, I mean, are you, are you surprised that it's still on the go now and people still talk about it? And... Yeah, I am always surprised. And I, I hope, you know, I always wonder, I wonder how long this will last because when it first started happening that people would say it was my favorite show and now it's my five-year-old's favorite show. You know, I, that was kind of mind blowing. Um, and then that was a long time ago that I first heard that. And then, you know, now it's you know, my kid's favorite show. And then I showed it to my kids first, my daughter, and then years later, my son. And, uh, and they saw it when they were really little and saw mommy on the TV and did the yeah. whole Oh, you know, moment. But then when they got older, like around nine or ten, they started watching. They sat down and watched the show. And that was really fun because they liked it. You know, they got past yeah. me being in it really fast <laughs> and just loved Will and loved the dynamics and the whole thing. And I would watch them off by themselves watching, just cracking up. And it was, you know, it's it's like lifetimes ago for me. And it's having that effect on them today. It's a great feeling. We had no idea. I mean, I don't think any of us had any idea at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, we weren't in the top 10 shows at the time. So mm -hmm. we couldn't have predicted this kind of, um, this kind of like, you know, what all these years later. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it now, you know, it, it, it had everything 
Uh, it had it had the perfect recipe really to make it a success. When you look back now, you know it had the catchy theme tune, yes. um, and it had the comedy, it had cheeky will, it had the great um, you know uh, uh, cast, um, Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, who had a bit of a thing for Hillary. Um, when you look back now, it's like you know on on paper you can see why it was yeah. a success. The creators were really, were very, were really brilliant people. They, they are. Andy and Susan Borowitz are just, were brilliant. Um, they're just such funny, smart people. They came from working on Family Ties before too, which is a really sharp show. Right. Yeah. And, um, and they just were, you know, they knew what they were doing, and they, they fixed it. And then over the years, we honed it. I think everybody kind of, one thing that was really special that Andy and Susan Borowitz also did from the beginning that you don't get on other shows, which was just so great, was after every day where we'd rehearse and when we'd rehearse it on our feet with the director, and then we'd ask the writers and producers to come down and watch us run through the whole thing like a play. And after they did that and made their notes, we all sat together and they said, turned to us as the cast and said, what are your thoughts? And we could raise our hand and say, I really feel like it's weird when Hillary walks in and she goes and says, blah, 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 to this person. I feel like I would say it to that person. Or or this just doesn't feel like my character. This feels more like Carlton would do this, you know, or whatever. <laughs> we, we were able to try our best, give it our very, very, very best shot to try and make it work. But if something still felt funny, we, we they gave us the space to be able to express that and they would look at it and see if they could make the adjustment. Well, it must have worked, Karen, because 148 episodes, I think. Yeah. Um, 1990 to 1996. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it had a good run. And, and I think as well, the show was a bit, you know, a bit ahead of its time because, you know, it was a comedy. It was a funny show. It was lots of goofing around and lots of laughs and uh, slapstick. But sometimes as well, there was there was serious messages yeah. within the show. You know, the, um, the, there's there's several episodes where there's there's really important messages yeah. um, that are put out where where kids TV shows didn't really um, tackle that kind of, um, those kind of messages. You know, we had things yeah. like um, when Will and Carlton get locked up for driving, you know, two black, two young black guys yeah. driving a nice car. Um, you know, there, were, there was that storyline. Um, th- there was a, a, a drug storyline as well where Carlton mistakenly takes amphetamines right. that, were, that were in Will's pocket. Uh, there was the one where Hillary gives Ashley advice about the birds and the bees. <laughs> Um, and you know there was loads Will drinking and driving uh, Will Will gets shot and Carlton buys a gun exactly and I think the one that people say it seems to be the kind of all time one of the most impactful ones I hear about all the time is when Will's father abandons him again yeah that That was sad that was really sad and Will's performance was just shocking for everyone, I think. You know, I mean, he, it was he really, he really went there, and yeah. he took and, it very seriously. And did an incredible job. And I think as a as a kid, you, you don't really, you know, you, you're kind of understanding those messages, uh, but but not fully. And then, like I said before, when my wife was last pregnant, we were watching the show. Uh, you know, that was the that was the first time I'd properly sat down and watched the show for a number of years. And it, uh, you know, since I was a kid, and 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 it really struck me like, wow, this is uh, th- this is incredible stuff for for you know for a kid's show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 148 episodes uh, is uh, quite a run. Um. 1990 and 96, like I say. Um. Do you keep in touch now with the I cast? Did- yeah, I do. I don't get to see them as often as I like. I'm in New York. When mm. I was in California, it was easier to see people. Um, but I still, I get to see, you know, when I go to California, I I get to see Alfonso and Tatiana pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we do Comic-Cons together and I get to yeah. see Ta. And then I get to see Daphne the same way, usually. Mm-hmm. And 
Joe Marcel, if he comes through New York, I get to see him. Oh, Will, nice. I see probably like every two years now. Right. used to get to see him once a year, but he's so busy, so it's harder to see him. But, um, yeah, I used to see James Avery all the time. We used to, when I lived in L.A., we used to shop at the same grocery store at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so we went into each other a lot at the store. And we hung out, too, you know. So I used to see James a lot. We lived nearby. Very <laughs> And it's something that sort of kind of keeps popping up um, about uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air is um, the fact that Aunt Viv changed. Yeah. Halfway through, um, the the actress changed that played Aunt Viv, yeah. and and I think that was a bit of a fallout between Janet Huber and and Will Smith. I don't know. Um, but that that but it wasn't uncommon back then, was it? Particularly in American shows to to recast a well i know it had happened it happened on the valerie harper's show it was called valerie and they let her they let her go and they just called it the harper family right (laughs) i mean i changed the title of the show i was like really shocking but um i don't know if it how often it happened but yeah it was something that um they they have proven that they will do yeah (laughs) Uh, and she was replaced by uh, uh, Daphne Maxwell Reed, who who was really good, wasn't she? She was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good. Um, so, so Fresh Prince of Bel Air finished in 1996. What what did you go on to after that? Well, Karen? straight after it, I went into a show called Lush Life that I wrote, like created, wrote, and produced and starred. Yeah with Lori Petty and um, Yvette Bowser was a creator with us when she created Living Single. Um, that was a really interesting in- experience. I learned so much working behind the scenes and mm-hmm. um, realizing, like, I don't know how someone like Oprah does what she does because I was so busy. I didn't have time. To, I hardly had time to breathe, you know, wearing all those hats. It was crazy. But um but was that something you you wanted to do, you know, the, well, the the writing and? I did. I mean, I I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it like, oh, I want to be a showrunner. Oh, I want to be a producer of a TV show. It was mm-hmm. more that Lori and I sat down and had some ideas that we thought were really funny because we were friends. So we we just sat down. We were out drinking and we you know we talked about ideas before. So we just started writing things down, and yeah. we started writing all this down. Meanwhile, Yvette. And I had gone to Santa Monica High School together. And um, she had approached me, Yvette Lee Bowser, had approached me at one point and said, when the show's off, I would love to do something with you. And so when Lori and I wrote this, I said, I want to, I want us to go talk to Yvette about it, see if she'd be interested. And Lori and Yvette hit it off. We all decided to pull it together and make it something, you know, a uh, real full fleshed out show. And mm-hmm that and uh took it around and we did it on fox mm-hmm. and but we only got to shoot sh- six shows before we were pulled along with every new comedy because the president left the company and so oh, they, right. the new new regime came in and got rid of all of the brand new comedies which i understood it's a um, bad timing it was really bad timing <laughs> oh no but it was all right. You know, I learned a lot from the experience. I went on to do, you know, I went out, I did a movie. I had gone to film school in New York and then, uh, I mean, in summer intensive NYU. And then I um, did a film there. And both times I had to live in New York for a while and decided I want to stay. So I made the move to New York. And right. too. Yeah, that changed a lot for me. And then I got to writing and I was just writing a lot. And then I met my husband, I had babies, started my my company, my organization, Sweet Blackberry. Hear about Sweet Blackberry after this. Napa know-how. Right now, a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil and a platinum filter is just $23.98. That's a great deal for a great oil, which is another reason why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That's Napa Full Synthetic Oil and a Platinum Filter for $23.98. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How. General States pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. While supplies last. Offer ends 12 15, 19. 
The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Yeah, so so tell me about Sweet Blackberry, because I was reading about that earlier on today. It sounds great. To, what, what, what's Sweet Blackberry all about, Karen? It's a nonprofit organization. I started it back in, I guess, 2005, and the, the mission of Sweet Blackberry is to bring little-known stories of African-American achievement to yeah. children. So there are stories that we just don't hear about that much, because in school yeah. we only hear about a handful of of um, black history stories and uh, African-American stories are taught in the schools. And there's so many incredible stories out there. My mother was um, a librarian my whole growing up. And at one point when I was an adult, she was working in the Black Resource Center where she worked. She was heading it and she came across really incredible stories. And she shared the story of Henry Box Brown with me, who was mm-hmm. an enslaved man who literally mailed himself in a box to his free. <laughs> across state lines and yeah he got it once he he packed himself in a box had someone nail it shut and send him and he went on a 27 hour journey by wagon by boat by train and when uh he arrived in pennsylvania um uh, across in, in philadelphia and he was across state lines and he survived he was free and I thought that was the most insane thing I'd ever heard. Couldn't believe I hadn't heard it and that none of my friends had heard it. And so I wanted to bring it to kids. And it took me years to get it together. But I finally started making, I made an animated film about it. Yeah. It was the inaugural film of Sweet Blackberry. And then I've gone on and we've we've done four now. All right. Because I was reading about, uh, so yeah, Journey of uh, Henry Box Brown. Right. Uh, Garrett's Gift. We did Garrett's Gift about Garrett Morgan, the inventor of the traffic signal. Yeah. Um, and and that, that, was nar- that was narrated by Queen Latifah. Correct. Correct. Who was, who was in Fresh Prince? Twice. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and we did it. We had um, Chris Rock narrated one, Lawrence Fishburne narrated one, Alfred Oh, Wood. wow. Yes. It had really incredible talent um, come in and, and, and so they're kind of, they're animated films. They're like picture books come to life. They're lightly animated. Yeah. And they make it really engaging and fun for children to learn about real people who have overcome great obstacles and, and gone on to these, you know, wonderful heights. And, and um, I think it's a great lesson for kids as well as teaching yeah. us about that are inspiring and empowering and these stories don't get lost. Absolutely. And and is it, and is it right that, these uh, stories, animations are featured on uh, networks like HBO. I was reading they've that. Been on, they've had a run on HBO. They had a long run on Netflix. And I'm right. I'm in kind of in a hiatus period right now to see where we go next. Right. Sure, because we just ran out with Netflix, and so I'm due to speak with them again. But I'm not sure if it's going to be Netflix or somewhere else. All right. Well, fingers crossed. You get something sorted with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you've wrote a book. I did. As well. I did. I wrote a book called How High the Moon. It came out in March. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's a historical fiction novel for middle graders, young people, and right. um, it's you know another thing inspired by my mom growing up in uh, the 1940s in South Carolina in the Jim Crow South, segregationist South. Mm-hmm very difficult time for black people in America, yes. especially in the South. And, you know, my mom always talked about her childhood, like it was so positive and she was so happy. And one day I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you grow up in the South Carolina. You're yeah. not the whole story. Like, wasn't it dangerous? Wasn't it frightening? Was it disturbing? You know, what was it like really? And so I started asking a lot of questions and I decided to kind of put my 11-year-old self and my mother as an 11-year-old together, you know, walk in her shoes, what it would be like to live in South Carolina at that time as, as a, for me, like a light-skinned girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the story is about a little girl named Ella 
who lives in a little tiny town outside of Charleston, South Carolina, lives with her, her cousins and grandparents who are black. Her mother, who's black, lives up in Boston. She's trying to be a, a, a jazz singer. And Ella doesn't know who her dad is and if possibly he's white because people tease her about the color of her skin. Right. And uh, she gets a chance to go visit with her mom up in Boston and see the difference and what life is like up there. And she gets some clues to who her father might be, as well as she learns a little bit about her mom that was unexpected. And when she comes back home and starts investigating all this, she also um, comes home to learn that her one of her good friends, George Stinney, has been arrested for murder for two little girls. And this is based on a real person, George Stinney Jr., um, right. who was the youngest person ever executed at 14 years old. Wow. Yeah. And um, many, many years later, his case was brought back up and they found that the trial, the whole thing was a sham. He didn't, it was, it was all a coercion confession and it was thrown out and he was exonerated but of course this is way after the fact yeah and um this young boy was was executed and so he's also that element of the story is real because when i was researching for sweet blackberry i would come across george stinney's face all the time but his story wasn't inspiring or empowering it wasn't a sweet blackberry story mm. but i wanted people to know who he was yeah and um, this op this was the opportunity because he didn't live that far from where my mom grew up in South Carolina around the same time. So it just made sense that he would make his way into this story and be one of Ella's friends. And and it's a brilliant thing you're doing telling this story. It's just it's a it's a tale that needs to be told. I think so. Isn't it? I think so. I, think so. I, I want people to know about him, you know, um, and know what happened. And um, and this is a way of doing it. And it's also, you know, there's also so much about learning about community because ultimately, like I said, I started this wanting to know how my mom was so happy during this time. And I learned a lot about community and family and the, their power along the way. And and this is your first book, Karen. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. What, how, how did you find that process writing your first book? Was it difficult? Or <laughs> did, you, did you take it with like a duck to water? Are you, are you a natural? No, it was hard. I mean, it was, you know, I've written, I had written a lot before, but I had written short stories and tracking a novel is different. <laughs> it's different. I'm writing one right now and I'm going through oh, yeah. it. It's complicated sometimes. You know, there are parts of it that are so great, parts of the process that are so great. And then parts of the process that are just like, what am I doing? Where am I? Yeah. yeah. Do you have periods where you just sit down and you're looking at a blank piece of paper for... Oh. For a long, long time, right as block. All right. the time. <laughs> um, so, so, so you're writing another one now. So there's more to come. Yes. There's, there's more to come from you as a novelist. That's great. Um, Karen, you're coming here to Scotland next yeah. month, aren't you? I'm excited. I'm excited because I'm going to be there. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be there with the podcast. Fantastic. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's the 12th and 13th of October. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Comic-Con Scotland. Yeah. And um, actually, at the weekend there, weekend gone, I was in Edinburgh because Andy, the um, the organiser, was up um, having a look at the venue. So I met Andy and a few others um, for, a, for a drink and a chat. Um, and what he's got planned is sensational. And he's got an incredible guest um, lineup, yourself yeah. included. Um, so it'll be great uh, if we get a chance to meet up um, when when uh, when we're there. Are you here for both days, Karen? Yes, yes, uh, the, I am. The Saturday and the Sunday. Yeah, great. It'll be great to see it. So, so why? What have you been to Scotland before? Nope. Looking no. forward to it. So this is. Oh, you're gonna love it. Karen, yeah. you're going to absolutely love it. It's an incredible country. I'm very uh, excited. Very scenic. Um, I, I think it's going to blow you away. And um, the, I know a lot of people are incredibly excited to see you here oh, um, next month. Exciting times. Can't wait to see you. Thank you. 
Uh, Karen, thanks very much for talking to me. Uh, I, I found that incredibly interesting. You're incredibly talented. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pinching myself that I'm talking to Hillary <laughs> from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> Thank you. It was really a pleasure talking to you. I'm looking forward to meeting you in Scotland. It was, it was a real... What's the word? Privilege to speak to. I was really chuffed to bits when she when she said we actually got in touch on Twitter, and I was chuffed to bits when she said she would come on the show. So Karen, thank you very much. And it's great to hear about you know not just about Fresh Prince of Bel Air because she's doing some great things, isn't she? Really interesting. And like I said to her, really really talented. And the Comic Con that we spoke about there is actually on the day that this episode gets released. So while you're listening to this, I'm probably schmoozing with Karen now, having a nice cup of tea or something, <laughs> uh, and getting our autograph and a, and a selfie. <laughs> so all that's left now. I, I hope you enjoyed that. I really do, because I'm quite. I'm really chuffed that I got Karen on the show. But all that's left for me to say is to thank... My executive producers again, Glenn Davies, Dave Flynn, Joy Gradwell from Mind Active and Mark Straker. And once again, if you want to be credited as an executive producer, and I've got some fantastic guests coming up from E.T., Back to the Future, Star Wars, loads of stuff. Things that I've already got recorded, Cobra Kai. So if you want your name against these guests, use the link. It, their website's Libera Pay, and just donate whatever you want, and it all goes into the show. And as long as your donations are active, you'll be credited as an executive producer. So thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate you listening. I hope you found it a fun episode. I'll speak to you again soon. Just in time for the holidays, select Craftsman tools are now available at Napa. Celebrate with a Craftsman 20-volt cordless impact wrench kit for just $149.99. It's the perfect gift for everyone in your list, even you. So get great savings on select Craftsman tools, now available at your local Napa store. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 12 31 for a gift that goes beyond the holidays, don't miss the Xfinity Beyond Black Friday event. Ask how to get $150 back on a package with the ultimate Wi-Fi and Xfinity X1. Your all-in-one entertainment experience. Simple, easy, awesome. Click, call, or visit us today. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.